0: Hello and welcome to Remember This, the podcast where we remember this. Each month we, Emily and Marin from Remember Twilight and Remember Harry Potter, pick something different to remember together. We talk all about whatever it is, how we first
1: experienced it, what it's meant to us since then, and how we feel about it now. So join us once a month
0: as we get together and remember this. Well, hello, everybody. Hi, everyone. My name is Marin. My name is Emily, and we are Remember, Remember this? this. Welcome to this month's episode of Remember This.
1: It's a special one because <laughs> it's our last one. It's our last public <laughs> right episode mm-hmm. for. The foreseeable future. Yep,
0: we are not saying goodbye to Remember This. We are moving it to a non-public feed. It's going to be over on our The Remember Podcast's Patreon for our patrons only. Patrons Stop stop trying to hear our thoughts. Stop it. (laughs) But we
1: have good news that goes along with that in which you can join the Patreon for $2 and $2 only now. Oh my gosh, I would do that. I might do that. You should. Just pay Everyone myself.
0: should.
1: <laughs> $2. You get all sorts of things. It's very fun. It
0: is. So that it would be patreon.com slash... The Remember, Remember Podcasts. podcasts. Uh, so we will miss you in our public feed, but I don't think anybody who isn't a patron listens to this anyway. Yeah, but if And you... if you do, then come on over. Exactly. <laughs> it's actually really fun over there, and there's a lot of perks. So on this month's episode of Remember This, we are covering the 1998 American romantic comedy film, You've Got Mail. It is a movie, and according to wikipedia.org... It is directed by Nora Ephron and it stars Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. It is inspired by the 1937 Hungarian play Parfumerie by Miklos Laszlo, which had earlier been adapted in 1940 as The Shop Around the Corner and in 1949 as In the Good Old Summertime. It was co-written by Nora and Delia Efron. It tells the story of two people in an online romance who are unaware. They are also business rivals. It marked the third pairing of Hanks and Ryan, who previously appeared together in Joe vs. the Volcano, a great film, and Sleepless in Seattle, an even better film. (laughs) The latter, which was also directed by Nora Efron. Oh, Okay, I do want to just give a honorable mention to the soundtrack of this movie. Um, it's one of the probably about 10 or 15 like movie soundtracks that I have completely memorized. I love it. I give it, it's probably for me, it's an 8 out of 10. It's so good. It's such a good soundtrack. It says, a soundtrack was released on December 1st, 1998 and featured a mix of classics from the 50s and 70s, particularly the work of Harry Nilsson, which my husband is always just like, he has got the most nasally voice, but I'm just like, I love his voice and I love these songs, as well as new original recordings and covers. The score to the film was written by the English composer George Fenton. And so I love the soundtrack. Give it a listen. It's really fun and it goes perfectly with this movie. It's great stuff.
1: The soundtrack is basically a soundtrack for the
0: 90s. It is it is it's it really speaks to me. I really love it. So, the movie you've got Male is particularly lovely as far as I'm concerned. I love this movie so much. This is my second favorite. It's number 2 on my rom-com lists. In fact, I often tell people It is the second most romantic movie ever made. (laughs) I get a lot of arguments about that, but I don't care. My first is 50 First Dates, period. Don't even fight me. But this one is so romantic. I first saw this movie when it first came out in the late 90s. Um, And I just remember, I think I probably didn't see it in the theaters first, but I saw it probably at my brother Willie's house after it came out on... We probably rented it from Blockbuster and brought it back to his house and watched it on tape. I wanted to remember this movie because I find it to be so incredibly romantic and also specifically at this time of the year I always want to watch this movie. Um, Probably about 10 minutes of the movie total takes place during the Christmas holiday season. But to me, this movie feels like a Christmas movie. And I didn't actually want to watch a Christmas movie. I wanted to watch something that was like Christmas adjacent. And You've Got Mail has always been Christmas adjacent to me. Plus it's a romance, which I love romances. Plus it's a comedy. Plus it's just super sentimental to me. It's nostalgic. I love this movie. I watch it every December, at least. And I just absolutely adore it. What about you?
1: Okay. When did you first experience this you movie? You guys. <laughs> <laughs> this was my very first ever watch of You've Got Mail. <laughs> and I'm I'm like stuck in between two points of seeing the charm and the whimsy and the romance and the mm-hmm. the New York in the Christmas time and the... <laughs> and the falling in love without having never like I get that and I see it and I understand why people fall into that side of the movie Mm -hmm. but then I I'm getting a little bit of the friends effect yeah specifically the Ross effect where it's like things that people found really romantic Mm -hmm. in the 90s now just I can't not obsess over them and see how bad they are?
0: Yeah, obsess is good because I think that that is something that's happening a lot right now where people who are my generation who first saw You've Got Mail as it was released, which at the time, I will tell you guys, it was 98, 99 when I saw it. And the way she spoke to him and the way she stood up for herself and the way she was an independent grown-ass woman was the very like cutting edge top of the line where you could possibly be at the time of feminism. Like I was like, "Hell yeah, she's a badass woman. She tells him exactly how she feels about him. She tells him what she thinks." And ultimately, it changes him. I'm not going to argue with Emily. It's fine. I don't care. Like we can think differently about it. She's an Emily and I are in different generations yeah and when I saw this I was like I would I would be so scared to talk to a man that way and I just wouldn't know what to say and I wouldn't be brave enough to stand up for myself and be like no I am who I am and you are ruining my life and I'm not gonna take it and so to me it it's so beautiful and it's not and and like the friends effect that you specifically said to me I felt the same way when I was watching Friends. Yeah. When I was watching Friends, I was like, fuck, these women are awesome. They are so strong and so brave. And Ross definitely sucks. And I I admitted it back then. I hated Ross in the 90s when I was watching Friends. Um, But now watching back, you're like, oh, shit, that's so bad. It So for me, it's like it is a generational thing. And it's like I'm not going to. Say that it's okay. Yeah. But I will say that it it was a different generation. And so I saw it differently then. And I can totally, with an open mind, see how you see it now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm like, I'm in between. I'm like, he's an asshole. No man deserves any woman, especially her and him. (laughs) But I'm also like, I do understand that it, all of those things that you said. So Mm -hmm. I'm in between right now. Maybe if I watched it again and just knew what to expect instead of picking him apart every second mm-hmm. of the movie i might lean yeah. more into the nostalgia but
0: for now well and like he deserves to be picked apart and and also so i'm not going to say like he deserves to be picked apart but he learned i'm gonna say he deserves to be picked apart and he does learn and change and so that big that big right there that's where I, it gets to me where i'm like this man actually does change And I don't think he ever goes back to being that gross person he was before, which is the beauty of it. I love it so much. So this movie opens up and we hear some loud, what I like to refer to as the loud clicking. But what it is, is you've got this old keyboard and it's not a typewriter. It's a new computer. So the typewriter clicking is a very specific sound. And then the The little, very soft laptops that we have now is also a specific sound, but back in the 90s, we had these keyboards that were about three inches tall, and the keys were also very tall and big, and if you even as much as like barely tapped one of them, it was a click. That's the click I'm talking about that we get at the beginning of this movie. We get the loud clicking sound and we get some really cool nineties graphics. Looks like a video game. <laughs> I felt like I was taking driver's <laughs> ed with all the little block cars and the block people yes. and the
1: block trees. Uh-huh, me too.
0: Right away we are we are brought into the fact that it is nineteen ninety-eight. Oh yeah. It it's a real no good. mistake. <laughs> We go through these graphics, looks like a video game, could be a driver's ed simulation, and we see that we are in a city, and it makes a really great transition to real life where we are in New York City. Very obviously 90s New York City. Everything is gray, everything is cement, everything is concrete. Uh, It's all kind of gray and uh, stormy there. We meet our heroine, her name is Kathleen Kelly, and she lives with her boyfriend, Frank, in a really cute, really, really nice brownstone in New York City.
1: Adorably decorated. Oh, it's
0: the most romantic, sweet little, like, floral and pink. Everything's soft. Everything's squishy. Um, She's obviously inherited this house from her mother because no single woman in the 90s could afford to live in a place like this. (laughs) Her boyfriend, Frank, gets up and he leaves and she goes and she like looks out the window and she sneaks over very Meg Ryan-ishly and sits down and logs onto her computer, click, 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 click. And she is having an online conversation with a guy. This is an online secret relationship that she's having uh don't don't come at me she's she's with a guy she doesn't love (laughs)
1: <laughs> I initially was super sketch about what was happening
0: uh-huh. because
1: all I saw was like the boyfriend left and then she was allowed to get on the computer. <laughs> no, that's I didn't understand <laughs> that it was because she also was doing something yes. shady-ish on the computer. She's
0: having a an illicit, just kidding, She she's just made some a friend online, but it's obvious very, very early on and like immediately that this is to her something that she has to hide from Her boyfriend because she feels more serious about it um, than it actually would have been (laughs) if he if he would have known. So then we meet our hero. (laughs) That's that's in sarcastic air quotes, whatever. His name is Joe. He also has a girlfriend that they live together, and they're not also like super in love when you can tell. And he is also having a sneaky dating online relationship that he has to like hide from his his girlfriend who leaves and goes to work. So what happens is there are they're typing to each other. It's really fun. Da 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 da. Guess what? What the heck? They live and work literally right next to each other. These are people who they don't know each other. Nothing is personal. No personal information. No addresses. We're not going to talk about who we are or where we live or what we do. But we, the audience, very within the first scene learn that they live within blocks of each other and she works at this really cute little bookstore um, downtown new york city and it is called the shop around the corner and he works at a construction <laughs> site <laughs> the the company that he is part owner/inheritor of is a is also a bookstore But it is not a little shop around the corner. It is a big box, Barnes & Noble type of bookstore uh, called Fox Books. And it's being built and very grandiosely made into this great big huge enormous thing literally right around the corner from her bookstore. Cringe. We learn that Joe is the man. Uh, Lots of money. Doesn't care that he's shutting down small shops. Very capitalist driven, very money driven. He doesn't care how much it's going to cost to make these upgrades and to do this stuff. They're in historic New York City. Doesn't matter. Cut it down, tear it down, build a new one. That's all he cares about. We learned that very early. And Joe is, I mean, he's a businessman. He's shrewd. He's calculating. He doesn't care. She's cute. She's charming. She's got a little tiny business. It's very adorable. So we are at the shop around the corner. And Kathleen works there. She owns the place. And she's got a really cute... um young 20s something employee that she works with I can't remember her name I don't know her name but I love her I love her too she's very cool she's there talking about how she's like what is wrong with you you're sniffing scotch tape what is something's happening and kathleen's like nothing's happening nothing's happening she, what we find out that uh kathleen met somebody online it's not a sex thing it's not even a relationship they're just friends they met on the over 30 chat room <laughs> <laughs> turns out these two are living absolute opposite lives. But like in the same exact spot. It's so... Same everything else. Mm -hmm. Their lives are the complete opposite, but they are parallel. Absolutely. It's kind of really sweet. We learned that Joe works with his dad and his grandpa and they're disgusting. They're old AF. Horrible. Can I
1: tell you something about them? Please do. (laughs) Their office is on the like hundred something floor in... New York City, and this old guy has his desk facing into the office instead of out at the skyline.
0: Literally, he could see to England, but he doesn't care. He's like, look at all my furniture (laughs) instead. (sighs) (laughs) They're really gross. They are bajillionaires, and they're disgusting, and we hate them. Plus, they're super ugly. Joe's dad looks like he got hit in the forehead by an axe. Maybe. Maybe. It's really awful. So they're talking about how there's this little bookstore um, down the street from their new big box bookstore. And we learn that Joe's grandpa used to know the woman who owned it. It's Kathleen's mom. And she was a lovely, lovely person. And they used to write letters to each other. It's very cute. And it's a throwback to the original book or the original play of this story where the the characters instead of having an online relationship they write letters to each other they're pen pals before they meet so it's a throwback to that but Joe's grandpa talks about how she was lovely she was too young for him to date but she was just enchanting and Joe is like okay that sounds stupid we see them talking They're talking online, Joe and Kathleen. And she's talking about how she's reading Pride and Prejudice. And it's the most beautiful book she's ever read. And he is, of course, going to read it because he's absolutely falling head over heels for this person he's having an online conversation with. They haven't learned anything about each other still. They don't for a really long time. But one of the things that they know they have in common is that um, they're both smart, they're both witty, they both like to read. And um, she's talking about Pride and Prejudice. He's like, I've never read it. So he starts reading it. We see him in his house, like reading Pride and Prejudice. And he's just like, this is the literal worst book I've ever read. But all she can do is be like, it's so beautiful. The language, the blah, blah, blah. And may I just put out there that she's reading Pride and Prejudice for the wrong reasons. Pride and Prejudice, I learned just recently, is a comedy. It is. When I first read it, I was, I just like Joe. I was like, the fuck is this? I don't like it. It's not interesting. And all of these people are terrible. And then my friend Penny was like, no, it's a comedy. And then I was like, what? So I like, I didn't read it again, but I like skimmed through. And I was like, oh my God, it's a comedy. It's a satire on like rich people. Anyway, loved it. So she's reading it for the wrong reasons. And it's making him not like it. Been there. We, go, we are at Starbucks, and he is talking about how he loves Starbucks. Like he loves New York. He loves the language and all of that of that. And he's like talking about how the ordering at Starbucks is really cool. So he's she's reading Pride and Prejudice for the wrong reasons. He's enjoying Starbucks for all the right reasons. It's really good. (laughs) They have such great banter, such great chemistry. It's really beautiful. Finally, we have gotten to the point where there's a big sign now on the side of the new construction that says Fox Books Coming soon, uh, just around the corner. (laughs) So we see the crew of the bookstore, which is called The Shop Around the Corner. And all this time, Kathleen has just been like obliviously walking past it every day without realizing what's going on. But they have brought it to her attention because they're kind of staring at it like this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Uh, We feel real bad about this. Nothing good is going to come from this big bookstore. Kathleen is perpetually optimistic. She's like, nope, this is going to be just fine. People want small bookstores. They want independent bookstores for what they give to the world. I
1: really love the like world that she paints too because she's like New York City has the flower district and it's a ton of flower shops all mm. on the same street so and true. people will go there and they'll shop at whichever one because they're looking for a specific thing right. and she's like I don't see any reason why this part of the city couldn't become the book district because mm. we'll have different selections of books and people will just come here to purchase
0: books. She's completely right and I wish That that was our actual world. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna cry now. Yeah, but um, it's really not.
1: I was like, I want to live in the book district. (laughs) Me too. I would move somewhere that's just like a million little bookstores. I would get a job at one of
0: those bookstores. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we are back at home, and it's at um, Kathleen's house. And Frank loves typewriters. Frank's a writer. He writes for a like a newspaper. Uh, like a magazine type of situation. And he's a columnist. Um, he loves typewriters. He's, he, he collects them. He has a collection of typewriters at her own house. She doesn't like them. They're ugly. They mess with her aesthetic. Whatever. <laughs> she's a writer. He just needs to buy a pink one and then she'll be like, <laughs> I know the perfect spot for this. That is so true. <laughs> so she's having a hard time because she knows that the big box bookstore is being put in. She knows that her boyfriend's like a writer. She knows that like... Other people are doing what she sees to be important work. And she's kind of having a crisis where she's like, I don't think that the work that I'm doing is very important. I feel like my life's work is not being fulfilled. And he does this really weird thing where he sits down at his typewriter and he goes, you're a lone read. And she's like, I'm a what? And he goes, you're a, start typing, click, 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 lone click, 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 read click, click, click. He writes this whole paragraph about how she's special and she's doing her own things and she's making a change in the world but she has to do it by herself because she's a lone read. And he pulls the paper out of his typewriter and he hands it to her and she's like, I'm a lone read. And then she gets this Meg Ryan look of like, I don't want to be a lone Reed. And she walks away into her room and she's just like, I'm a lone Reed. And then we see her and she's on the computer and she is sharing her deepest, darkest feelings with her friend, who she, who is Joe. Next thing we kind of see is that Joe is um, in an even weirder family situation than you could even imagine. So what's happening is like, his dad is in a relationship with this woman who is a little bit older than Joe, but really close to the same age. And she has kids and um, her kids have a nanny. And uh, let me see, there's two little kids. There's a little girl and it's his aunt. And then there's a little boy who happens to be his brother, It's this whole thing. It's his weird men marrying women who are too young for them type of a situation. Yeah, they go, it's an American family. (laughs) Yes. So he, it's his day to take the kids and he is so cool, he decides to take them to a really cool New York street fair. Which is so cute, and why uh, does every city not do that for Thanksgiving? I know. there The avenues here in Salt Lake have a really good street fair that happens once a year, and we like to go to it. It's a lot like that, where mm-hmm. it's just the whole street is closed down and there's a street fair. Um, so he, he's got the kids, and he's a great uncle. It's very reminiscent of his movie, of Tom Hanks's movie Big from the 80s. Where he's just, he's a big kid, you know, he like, he loves having fun with these kids. He's a great uncle slash or or great nephew slash brother. (laughs) He's really sweet. And they go past the shop around the corner and the kids are like, oh, it's the storybook lady. And so they decide to go in and he's like, oh yeah, this is the shop that my dad and grandpa were talking about. So they go in, and it's Kathleen, who's the storybook lady, and she's so cute. She's sitting there. She's got her, like, pointed princess witch type of hat on, and she's reading them a story. And everybody's sitting there for story time, and everybody just absolutely loves this woman, and they love her bookstore. And after story time, everybody is just browsing the store and finding their books. And so is Joe, and so are the kids. And one thing that Joe does is he goes over and he's looking at some of their antique books. They're like old classics. And he asks... Is it George? George. He asks um, Kathleen's employee, his name is George, about the book. And George kind of gives him like an explanation. And then when he finds out the price of the book Joe is a little bit turned off and he's like oh okay okay and he kind of puts it back and you can tell that he's like whoa the books here are way overpriced and this is kind of crazy it's weird. The kids are looking at a book and Kathleen's telling them about it and the the little girl sneezes and she's like oh here here's my handkerchief and the little girl is like what is this and she's like it's a handkerchief it's like a Kleenex but you don't throw it away which is literally one of the grossest things I've ever heard in my life but I digress so they go over to the counter and she's explaining about how her mom gave it to her and it was hand embroidered. And it's this very lovely thing. And, uh, you know, it's like a nice thing to use a, a handkerchief instead of a tissue. And it's just like beautiful. And um Joe is like your mom. uh She was enchanting. And that's that was his grandpa's words. And Kathleen is like, how did you know that and she's like oh is that a pic isn't that a picture of you guys back there and so behind her um, behind the counter is a picture of her and her mom and they are twirling and so they have this little conversation about how her mom owned the store and then she died and now the store is hers and it's really important to her and they used to twirl and the conversation is a little awkward she doesn't know that it's him Um, But he knows that it's her. So this is where um, we get a little bit of like an imbalance where he's not being honest with her and he won't tell her that he's Joe Fox. Like what happens is she says something about uh, Fox in a book and Joe's brother, the little boy, who's only like five, goes F-O-X. And she's like, oh, that's amazing. You can spell Fox. Can you spell dog or whatever and he goes f o x and she's like huh that's weird and then she's like how would you like to pay for this and he's like I'll be paying with cash because he doesn't want her to know that he's literally gonna put her out of business he thinks he's never gonna see her again he thinks this is like a one-time conversation and that they're just like not even business rivals to him this isn't even important like he's just like crap I gotta get out of here as fast as I can because I don't want her to know that I'm joe fox from fox books so the day has come
1: and it is the grand opening for fox and sons books (laughs) and the it's like a four-story enormous bookstore there's a statue of liberty in the middle of this bookstore they have a cafe like it's everything (laughs) that you want a bookstore to be but without the charm right. and the morals of small businesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's Walmart. It's Walmart for books. It is. It's gross. Um, so it's it's him his dad and his grandpa and they're all just kind of walking around and they're like, "See, there's no one protesting our big bookstore outside. Everybody loves us." We cut over to Kathleen in her shop and it's like the three workers and they're just standing there and there <laughs> is not a single soul in their bookstore. It's everybody is at uh Fox Books. We then cut to Kathleen and Frank and they're going to a Christmas party. And oh no, what would you know it Joe is also there because <laughs> again, they like run in basically the same circle.
0: Yeah, they're both book people. Like Frank I think has been invited to this party because he's a writer and he writes for a magazine. Joe's there cuz he's in books. Like they're they're all there for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Ugh.
1: And Joe notices Kathleen before she can see him. And so he spends quite a bit of the party hiding from her. (laughs) And this is giving me very Joe Goldberg vibes, which is from you. And he's the one who works at the bookstore and kills people. Oh, gross. (laughs) But this is exactly his MO is like, get into the book community. Find a girl that he's obsessed with. Stalk her. I'm like, Emily, is he going to go murder her tonight? I don't know. This is how it goes in the other ones. (laughs) I am a product of... (laughs) All the terrible things that I learned. So sad. <laughs> Eventually Kathleen spots him. He not so secretly goes up and grabs a drink at the same time that she does. <laughs> and she now learns who he is. Now is the time for what I call the confrontation. Where, like Maren said, like she doesn't just like back down and leave and like whatever. She Never. confronts
0: him. Never throughout the whole movie does she back down. Not even once. She's like Oh my god, you
1: lied to me. You didn't tell me who you were when you came into my bookstore. Did you rent those kids that you were at? Like are you trying to like figure out who I am and like learn about my business and he's like no. Hold on. Like I didn't lie to you. Those are my Aunt and, and brother. brother. <laughs> um, I didn't know that it was your shop like we did. We really weren't going there for any intention other than the kids wanted to go in. Meanwhile, while they're talking, he has his plate and he's going around all the food, <laughs> like loading things up. And there's this one dish, which is miscellaneous food in the middle and it has caviar around the very
0: edge of the plate it is so weird it's like a gelatin mold that you would get the real the recipe from like a 1950s cookbook yeah gelatin mold of like it looks like a bundt cake but you can tell it's like some sort of jello dish like squishy surrounded by caviar it's so gross looking i can't it even stand it and i love food and i'm like that looks like the grossest thing i've ever seen it really does but what he
1: does is he takes a spoon and he scrapes around <laughs> the entire edge of the plate and just puts all the caviar onto his own and this of course she also calls him out on and she's like why are you taking all the caviar? That is the garnish of the dish. Like, she could not be any more done with this person. It's
0: offensive. I agree. It like, is offensive. Why would you do that? It, he, on purpose, spends the entire movie wanting to make her angry. Yeah, it's it makes me angry. She is obviously yeah. angry.
1: <laughs> it's just a dick move. Like, you're at a party. Mm-hmm. You don't take all the garnish. I don't care who you are. It is. It's gross and rude. Go buy your own caviar. Don't <laughs> scrape all of it off. Anyway, I also couldn't, I could only focus on that when it was happening.
0: Um, <laughs> well, he takes, he does the dickish thing too. It, it didn't have to be as bad as it was because he first takes just one spoonful of it and puts it on. And she's like, that's really rude. You're not supposed to take that much of it. You're supposed to take a piece of the gelatin and And then whatever caviar comes with it. And he's like, I'm not going to let you tell me what to do. Scrape. And takes like half of the caviar. It's such an asshole.
1: (laughs) Um, So while they're like, while she's yelling at him, basically, uh, Frank comes over. And uh, I. I don't know if there's introductions, but he's there. And then eventually Joe's girlfriend comes over and the girlfriend's like, oh, my God, Frank, you're the guy who writes for whatever paper and you wrote this thing. And I I thought it was so smart. And
0: Frank's like, oh, my God, like they have like such a great moment. I'm really confused about the women who fawn over Frank through this whole movie. (laughs) He is the most pretentious, like, when you, when you think of, like, a guy who in college is like, I'm a philosophy major, and then he grows up to be frank.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, Joe is, like, Ugh. those annoying film bros who's like, the godfather is everything. <laughs> yeah, like, is.
0: they're both just, all the men
1: are obnoxious at this point, <laughs> as far as I can tell. In the world. <laughs> in the world. In this movie. <laughs> so, yeah, they're just, like, Joe and Kathleen are just standing there while Joe's girlfriend, like, fangirls over Frank. (laughs) And I, like, honestly wish they got together because their chemistry was just, like, boom. Mm -hmm.
0: I thought for a minute that it was her because I remembered that there was a woman in the movie who has the same reaction to him. I forgot that there were two women who love him like that. And it do- it's weird. It doesn't make any sense. But yeah, I wish they would have gotten together too. <laughs> yes.
1: Meanwhile, while all of this is happening, Kathleen has picked up a knife from one of the dishes <laughs> and is just like standing there pointing it at Joe. And eventually Frank like just takes the knife out of her hand and sets it down. Really cool. <laughs> Really cool. so then they go home and it's now time for what I wrote as the reflection mystery email time.
0: Yeah, okay, I like that because they
1: both kind of talk about this interaction mm-hmm. to each other without really recognizing because like you said, they're not they're specifically leaving out anything that could tell each other who they are. So they very mysteriously just kind of write what their feelings were about such whatever, insert blank situation yeah, happens. Everything
0: just has to be very nebulous instead
1: mm-hmm. of specific. And then and I don't remember which one of them says it, but the words are typed, Do you think we should meet? Ooh, he says it. And she closes her <laughs> laptop. And walks away. <laughs> she she nopes right out of there. <laughs> and then we get the next little montage where they keep accidentally running into each other everywhere they go, which they had been doing for yes. Months and months, I'm sure, leading up to this. But now that they have a face, they are noticing that they go to all Mm -hmm. the same places. They shop at the same grocery store. They go and get their whatever. They,
0: like, over and over are running into each other. Literally parallel lives.
1: So then this one time, they're at the grocery store. And this is the busiest grocery store I've ever seen. (laughs) There are so many people there. It's Thanksgiving weekend. I thought we would just... Right, because it's not Christmas yet.
0: Right. So everybody's okay, so getting everybody's their freaking their thanksgiving stuff and you know what though i gotta say i do find it really kind of nice that joe shops downtown and he shops because he is a bajillionaire like he is inheriting a multi-million dollar business and he doesn't that's not important to him he likes living in the city he likes yeah. having a city yeah. life yeah, and i he like likes to enjoy i like
1: that about him the experience mm-hmm. totally Um, And for some reason, I don't know if it's a usual thing for this grocery store, but they are only accepting cash payments. So when Kathleen gets there and the cashier has rung all of her things in and gives her her total, she's like, I only have a card. Like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do. I have this one dollar bill on me. Like, is there anything you can do? And the cashier's just like, no, it's cash only. Like, there's a sign. Like, we are cash only. So... Then Joe, of course, is there and he comes over and he starts talking to this cashier like she is stupid. (laughs) And he's like, what do you have right here? Oh, my God, it's a credit card machine. Just run her card. And this girl stares her
0: down. I understand where you're coming from. And I get that. But also, um, it's in my family, we call this quiet rooming somebody. It's when you are out of business and you know that this, whatever it is, that they're trying to do is just because there's a rule to do it. And there's no other reason. There's no reason other than if we use too many uh, credit card machines, then we have to pay too many fines or whatever for the credit card company. But there's literally no reason why you can't do this thing for me. And so in my family, when we come up against that kind of a situation and we have to like have that conversation with the customer service person, we call it, we're taking them into the quiet room so that we can quiet room them and explain to them why they don't need to do this one stupid thing and they can make an exception for us. They're just choosing not to. And so I think that he would have done that to any cashier. Like it oh, would well, yeah, have definitely. And so he does act super jerky but he's also like right and this is just one of those things where like you're you're just you don't have to do this thing you can make an exception for your customer at this time And as a cashier, I used to make exceptions all the time. And my favorite companies to work for were the ones who said, go ahead and make an exception if your customer wants it. There's no reason to have a fight with your customer. So that's where I'm seeing it from. But I'm also that age where I was working in retail places at that time where I was just like, Oh, my God, I can't do this thing. And you're being a jerk. And then they're like, no, you're being a jerk. Just do the thing. And I'm just like, ugh. Well, here's so, the yeah. thing is
1: like, I do understand that situation. And when employees go up to bat for things that they don't need to, I agree with that. But there are some companies who the manager at the end of the shift that they saw that mm-hmm. you ran a card and it was cash only that employee gets in trouble. Yeah. And also, I don't think you should have to make exceptions for rude customers. Yeah. The ruder you are to me, the less I'm budging, you yeah. know? So if you would have come up to her and what been like, it? please, like, it? we'll
0: pay double, like, yeah, whatever. That's, that's
1: a lot different than, can you use your credit card machine here, sweetie? I see you have one. You I know? wonder
0: what it was that she That I can't remember what it was that he said that finally changed her mind. 'Cause she found it charming. She like kinda laughed at him and was like, Fine, I'll do it. Oh, I don't
1: remember. I was furiously writing about how <laughs> annoying he was. Because he I just does... wrote I'm stressed for Rose. Like Yeah. And then you have this whole line of people who are mad yeah, and getting mad. frustrated and they're gonna complain to you that you
0: another thing held that, up the line. That Joe could have done which he didn't want to do because he didn't want to have this a more more of an interaction with kathleen but he could have just paid cash for her right there 100
1: he obviously mm-hmm. carries because at the bookstore mm-hmm. it was 75 bucks 75 dollars for his mm-hmm. books which he also thought that was too much for <laughs> 12 children's books God, anyway i'm just such a bargain i'm stressed for rose this didn't need to happen okay next thing we're now at Christmassy time because we're at the Fox's family Christmas party, where <laughs> his aunt is performing Annie
0: at the <laughs> piano, as Car- screaming. That's what Karen Kilgariff refers to as your first um, opportunity to show off when yes. you're a child actor. I mm-hmm. <laughs> totally agree. I was an Annie when I was a kid. <laughs> we all do it.
1: Yeah. So their party is everyone is dressed very sharply. Oh. And they're all just kind of sitting around while this girl and I don't know if We ever learn her name more than once. So I didn't write it down. Um, But she's just there screaming (laughs) Annie while everyone's just
0: like, this is nice. (laughs) She's me, though. (laughs) And I said that when we were watching it. I was like, that's me. And I don't remember who said it, but they were like, but not voluntarily. And I was like, oh, super voluntarily. Mm -hmm. 100% I would have gotten up there and been like, I'm singing tomorrow from Annie. (laughs)
1: But then we cut to Kathleen's Christmas party where it's everybody is up and they're all singing together around the piano. And this gave me very like our family.
0: Mm-hmm. It makes me want to cry. Vibes it's so sweet. Because there's like
1: birdies there and she's playing the piano for everyone while they sing. And I was just like, I can't I can't think about this too much. It, really, it hits, we like, can really close in the heart. It is.
0: It is. It's so personal because that was our every Sunday. Definitely. Every Christmas, where Grandma would sit and play. Oh no, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a year, you guys. My grandma would play, and we would all have to sing, but we all secretly and not very secretly loved it. And it's we uh, were very special, and it felt it felt like home watching that. Yeah.
1: So those two very different parties are happening, <laughs> and then I have what I entitled that bitch Miranda. <laughs> So Miranda had been a customer at Kathleen's shop and I'm sure probably Mm. since her mom owned it and she's an author and she like popped by one time while it was super dead in the shop and she asked Kathleen like, or Kathleen was like, hi Miranda, like, um, and Miranda's like, are you guys going to still be in business in January? I'm just trying to figure out what to do for my like author signing. And Kathleen was like, of course we're going to be open and of course we're going to host you like we always have with all your other books that you've written. But now... Kathleen walks past Fox Books and in the gigantic window sees the big poster that Miranda is doing her signing at Fox Books. It
0: makes no sense why Miranda couldn't have done both signings. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. She's going to do a big bookstore signing and an indie bookstore signing. I There's no reason why that couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Other than
1: that bitch Miranda. Yes. So (laughs) this is just like, this is kind of like the first thing that happens to Kathleen where she's like, oh, maybe everyone is right about what they've been saying that we might go out of business. Because it's been since Thanksgiving and like, or since they're opening around Thanksgiving that their shop has been dead. So it's Christmas. They're putting up the lights. There's the tree and there's still nobody in there. And so Kathleen then hops online and she's. Telling mystery email guy that she is starting to have some business trouble. And Joe is like, aha, my moment to shine. And he's like, I am the best businessman in the world. What do you need help with? And
0: uh, Emily just throws her pen at the TV. (laughs) Honestly,
1: I just wrote Joe. OMG, I can fix it.
0: (laughs) Joe.
1: And then he brings up the Godfather, which he had told this whole thing to Kathleen at the holiday party they were both at. He went on this huge thing about the Godfather. And so he starts to bring it up again. And so this is the first time where Kathleen finally is getting a little like, that's weird that Both of these people brought up The Godfather this week. She's like,
0: what is it with men and The Godfather? Honestly.
1: So uh, Frank walks in and she immediately closes the laptop, shoves it under the pillow and just like
0: (laughs) flops into place. She wasn't even having a bad conversation. She's literally just chatting with a friend. Yeah. And I think that they have moved on from like their chat room to like they're just sending each other email. So it's not even like... If Frank saw these emails, it doesn't have to There's be nothing weird. To it, yeah. It's so funny.
1: <laughs> but she feels guilty even having this like secret yeah. friendship. <laughs> okay, but now it is Christmas and so we're at the shop and there is actually a ton of people in there shopping and Frank has written an article about how terrible Fox Books is and how they're putting small businesses out of business and how everybody should go and shop at this store and so there's just tons of people there they're super super busy um kathleen is in the office doing these power punches and like <laughs> amping herself up uh very cute and um let me cut to outside of fox books and the protesting has now begun and Kathleen is doing news spots, talking about her small business <laughs> and how awful it's been now that Fox Books has opened up and how people really should be supporting small businesses, especially during the holidays. And Joe is just pissed at it all <laughs> because he's watching the segment They're at the gym. He's really sweaty. And he did this whole interview with this news <laughs> station, and he talked about how They can buy books at discounted rates and how nice it is to be able to sit in their shop and just read all day and log on to their Wi-Fi and like all of the perks of his business. And the only thing that they use is you can buy cheap books here. (laughs) And so he's like, I hate everything. He is so upset that they cut out his spot on the news. And even Frank hops on and he talks to this woman on on a news segment about his article and she's the one who also just randomly falls in love with Frank while they're on there and they start flirting and Kathleen and Frank are watching his thing and she's like she's super into you and he's like no I was just being polite and then he does something like obviously flirty and he's like that's not what it looks like I was just being nice I was put on the spot but like things are starting to kind of Uh, show themselves in their relationship how they're both getting even kind of slightly invested in other people.
0: He goes I was slobbering all over her wasn't I? (laughs) And she's like yes you were.
1: Yes so then we are back at the shop and Birdie is going through the numbers for the year and she's telling Kathleen how even with all of that big business at christmas and all of this publicity the numbers are not where they need to be to stay open
0: no oh it's heartbreaking so she is at home and she decides that she's gonna once again log on and talk to her friend online for some advice because he's you know he gave her that advice to 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 go to the mattresses which was just like to be strong and to do the punches and and pull it all out and do it all and she did it and it helped enough that they got they they were just breaking even they weren't they were at the same numbers as last year they hadn't increased at all so she's like maybe if I go to him for a little bit extra help maybe he'll give me some different advice I'm going to ask and then she goes actually I do want to meet and so They get real excited. They have decided that they're going to meet at a coffee shop in New York. It just is like so fortuitous. They both live close by. They can meet at this coffee shop. There's some conversation about how there's going to be, uh, she'll be there and she's gonna have a book and a red rose on the table, and that's how he'll know that it's her. We go to the night of the meet, and Kevin, who is Joe's best friend, and somebody he works with too, they work together, was he the like foreman of the construction company? He was doing
1: something coordinating with construction because
0: he's the one who told Joe
1: about the fines and okay. whatever they
0: were getting. So oh I my think gosh, he yeah. might be
1: over the like development of the building or something. Okay, so
0: Kevin and Joe are, are best friends. And so he brings Kevin with him and he's just so nervous. He's outside and he's just like pacing and he's freaking out. He's probably sweating like crazy.
1: Literally me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I would be like, will you go in there and look
1: and like, what do they look like? Where are they sitting? Like,
0: And I kind of love like Kathleen was like, she's so cool. Like she got there and brought her book and her rose and she looks super cute. She's got the best like Ron Weasley hair and her little whatever. But so he's like, Kevin, go look. And Kevin r- jumps up there and he looks in the window and he's like, Ooh, there, oh, she's so gorgeous. And he's like, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And then he goes, But no book. And he's like, Oh. And then he goes, Wait, wait, wait. No, I see somebody. I see a book and I see a rose. And she- he's like, Oh, what does she look like? What does she look like? And he goes, I don't know. The waitress is standing in front of her. And then, like, two seconds later, he's like, Oh. Uh um (laughs) and and joe is like what and he's like well you know how you said that kathleen kelly's like really pretty and he's like yeah and he's like well if you liked her you'll definitely like this girl because she looks just like kathleen and he's like well that's great i can't wait to go in there and he's like no it, it it's kathleen
1: before he tells him who it is though and he just like confirms that she's pretty. Uh, he yeah. literally goes over to the fence and starts shaking <laughs> it, screaming, "She's pretty! She's pretty!" <laughs> like he lost his <laughs> shit. Like this girl that we've been I've been talking to, and I finally like got the courage to ask her out. And she yes. said yes, and I'm here, and she's
0: pretty. Well, I had to, I should go back a little bit because when they first got there, he goes, "If this woman looks even..." A little bit better than, I don't remember what he said. A mailbox. A mailbox. I would be insane to not marry her because their connection is so strong, Mm -hmm. which hands down, you can have that kind of a connection online, period. Like it can be so beautiful. And so, uh, uh, so now he knows that it's Kathleen and he is, I just wrote three V's. He is very, very, very upset. Very, very Very upset to the point where this scene and Tom Hanks plays it so beautifully that every time I see it, I am crushed that it's her because he knows that he has done nothing but be an asshole to her since he met her. And now that he knows that it's the woman he's literally in love with and banked the rest of his life on just two minutes ago. I can't even imagine how he feels like his heart must be in his shoes and he's stomping on it. And he should be. He should be. I am never going to argue with the fact that he was an asshole to Kathleen from the moment he met her. He was mean to her at the party. He was mean to her when he did his interview for the news he said mean things about her while he was working out with kevin he's been terrible to her and to him he justified it by saying it's business it's not personal it's business but guess what it's always personal and now he has to face that now he has to come to terms with he fell in love with The same person that he's being awful to.
1: Yeah, for me, I think this is the part of the movie where it really gets off of where I would want it to be, especially watching it now, where it's like, he could take this time to do self-reflection now and just decide to be better to her from here on out mm-hmm. and to stop being the person who he knows isn't worthy of her and that's why he doesn't want to go in there and he could make the changes to her face to be better and then reveal that it's i him. know but he doesn't make do, that choice i agree with
0: you and i don't know how he could have done that i i don't know how. i don't I, think he's in the right place but like for me i also don't think it would have worked i think that she would have been like absolutely absolutely no like that that TikTok sound no absolutely no no ab- i've seen enough no absolutely no she would have walked away that second. well i don't mean
1: for him to tell her who he is in
0: person he keeps being mean to her mm-hmm. but i he right now i have choose to not, i have a theory about you know? that too i think that the so he does dear reader dear audience he continues to be horrible in fact he ramps it up and i i truly honest to god i think that he is trying to make her hate him because he can't handle the fact that he's an asshole and he has to face it now and so he's just gonna sabotage the relationship entirely so that she will say get the fuck out of my life I never want to see you again that's easier than facing his own feelings and I know people who do that my brother used to do that where he would just he would feel terrible about something and instead of being like I'm sorry he would just double down until we were all just like Go away. We fucking hate you. And now he's not even in our lives for different reasons. But that didn't help. Yeah. And I think that's what he's doing. He's just like, it's easier for me to double down and be worse than I ever was so that she will have to tell me to go away. But he loves her so much that he's like, I don't want to stay away from her. Also, he's like, maybe I can maintain the online relationship without her knowing. Like, it's so awful. He should have. It doesn't happen. He should have walked away.
1: He should have been like, you know what? I am an asshole. Mm -hmm. And I need to fix that before Mm -hmm. I enter a relationship. Like, instead, he plays both sides the rest of the movie. And Mm -hmm. that's what
0: I don't like. Right now, in this moment, he should have gone inside of himself, not of the coffee he shop. He should have just left. He mm-hmm. should have intro sent Kevin in. And left, gone <laughs> away. He should have sent Kevin in because Kevin was like, I'll go in. <laughs> he should have been like, I've been so
1: terrible to this girl, but I'm not about to make her sit there without me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go send her a message online and tell her. Sorry, s- we can't. It's whatever. not going to work, not gonna work out. out. And you need to go in there mm-hmm. and say, Do you mind if I sit with you while you wait for whoever? Yep.
0: This is Marin and Emily's episode of How It Should Have Ended. Because Exa- that is how it should have ended. He <laughs> yeah. should have said, I'm walking away, period, right now. Well, and but not- he couldn't. He wasn't strong enough. Yeah. He is in love with her and he's an asshole. Yeah. Well, i like on her side. I'm like, if there
1: was a friend who she was talking to about all of this happening and at the end where she was like reveals like that guy who was ruined my entire life is also this person I fell in love with mm-hmm. without knowing. They would be like, he obviously showed his true color. Yeah. Like, I yeah, understand you like he... the redemption part I of it. Do, but I do. I am it. <laughs> any good friend would have told her yeah. if he can act to you like that without knowing who you are Mm -hmm. you don't need him yeah and
0: I mean we'll get there we'll get where I'm like I feel like he does redeem himself and he does sincerely change and it isn't a surface change I truly honestly feel like Joe Fox changes in this story and he redeems himself and he will never go back to being that person Honest to God, I feel that way.
1: I just hate what Kathleen had to go yes, through for him to get there. She shouldn't have had to
0: do all that, the heartbreak that she went through because she goes through some shit. Yeah. And I will also say she goes through some bullshit to get there. Yeah. It's awful. So he wants to do nothing. Like Kevin's like, what are you going to do? And he's like, he just goes, nothing. And Kevin's like, are you kidding me? You're just going to walk away like that's a terrible choice. And he's like, nope, I'm not going to do anything like this is awful. I've totally ruined my chances to be with her. There's no going back from this, which at that moment you're like, yep. Bye. But no. So after a while, she's still sitting there and she's obviously like she keeps adjusting the book. She keeps moving the thing. The waiter has come and take away her cup like four times. And she's somebody tries to take the chair and she's like, no, that chair is taken. Anyway, he does come in and he he's like, oh, hey, what's up? And he sits down and he's talking to her and she's very much doesn't want to see him, doesn't want him to be there. He's doing his very best to like make her tell him to leave immediately and it's working because she's she insults him she finally is brave enough to like say the thing that she wanted wants to say at the moment she wants to say it and it's not fair it's not fair because he actually knows her And knows who she is on both sides. And he's not telling her the truth. He's not saying, well, I'm actually that person and it was me and I did everything wrong and that was awful. And maybe we can, you can either hate me and we can separate and part ways or we can see if we can figure this out. He doesn't do that. So it is... It's not fair what he's doing. It's not. And I'm going to, I'll leave that there as it is. Um, He does love her already, but she hates him and it's yucky. It's terrible. This feels awful. She's like, please, please, please leave. And he's like, okay. And you think he's actually going to leave, but he doesn't. He just sits directly behind her, like back to back with her. They continue to fight. He brings up the day that they first met. Um, They fight some more. It's really dirty and nasty and it feels terrible. He asks her who is coming he's like who's coming and she says well it's the best person I know and they and you're terrible and no one will remember you but the, um but they remember my mom and you're just a suit so she she has this great moment where she finally is able to be strong and say everything and she's mean to him and it's great and it feels wonderful and he knows that she's right anyway it ends The I ends. she goes home and she gets online and she's like, I don't know what to do. So she, she tries to message him or she tries to see if he sent a message to say where he was and he hasn't. Uh, the, I just wrote depression. <laughs> yeah. He goes home and he's awfully feel. he's feeling really awful. Good. Feel awful. The next day he is absolutely shocked that she told him the truth about himself. (laughs) He's like, I can't believe she said all those things about me. But it's like, dude, all she was doing was telling the truth. At the bookstore, um, she and her cute little girl um, employee are trying to figure out why he didn't come. And they go through all of these different things that could have happened like maybe he's married maybe he's blah 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 maybe he's maybe he was stuck maybe he died I don't know and then George comes in and he's got the newspaper and he's like they found him and they're like what and he like plops the newspaper down and the headline is rooftop killer nabbed and they're like it happened three blocks away from the bookstore you could have been the next victim of the Rooftop. Killer. I just love that it's like you got stood up. He must
1: be this murderer. Like those are good friends.
0: I agree. <laughs> that is my
1: crew that I want to be with. My favorite line. You're probably about to say it.
0: Probably not. Oh, because I think I'm
1: done. With well, that. they go. Do you remember when you thought Frank was the Unabomber?
0: <laughs> well, I want to know that story so bad. <laughs> I want to know because the Unabomber was a writer. Mm-hmm. Oh, so amazing! So, so amazing. So Good friends, good, good friends. She writes to him to his friend to him about why he didn't come. She tells about how Joe came and she zinged him, but then she felt terrible and not good about it. And she's trying to give him her online friend, The Benefit of the Doubt. He reads it. He does this thing where he just stews and stews and stews. He signs off. He walks around the house for like an hour. Brinkley's just following him around. It's this whole thing. Brinkley's his dog, by the way. Oh, yeah. The most important part of this movie is the dogs. He's the best boy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, much, much later, he gets on his computer and he tries to write back with some sort of dumb excuse, but none work. And Brinkley's super disappointed. So he punishes himself by deleting the message one letter backspaced at a time. Mm -hmm. This was a terrible letter. But then he finally just apologizes. Period. It's a good apology. He just does an apology. Bam. Um, Well, is it a good apology, Oh, what do you think? Tell me. Tell me.
1: Well, I don't really remember the context of the thing, but this is my notes. And I put, I'm sorry you feel bad about the thing I did, which I'm not going to actually apologize for. He didn't say that I'm sorry I abandon you I'm sorry that I left you there alone I'm just sorry that you feel sad
0: yeah I didn't feel that way about it but I I totally can hear that um so later they are having a meeting at Bertie's house now Bertie is she's worked at the bookstore since Kathleen's mom did they were best best friends and they are having a meeting about how they have to close the store and Bertie assures kathleen that she's brave and then she she does this really annoying thing where she's like also if you ever need any money i'm very rich so just ask me and honestly she could have saved the store at that moment by buying it and making sure that kathleen gets to save it but she doesn't for whatever reason probably because she's rich I don't know. So, later, Frank and Kathleen decide to go to a movie. And he is being super rude about Bertie because Bertie said she dated the man who ran Spain. And (laughs) Frank's like, obviously, she's insane. She didn't actually, like, date the person who ran Spain. And Kathleen is like, you're being really rude about my mom's best friend. And they have a fight about politics they sit down to watch the movie and he's like i could never be with somebody who doesn't feel as strongly about politics as i do and she goes guess what frank i didn't vote in the last election i went and got a manicure or whatever instead and i didn't vote and then uh anyway she gets up and leaves they go to a cafe and they very delightfully break up frank um they just decide that they don't love each other and they both agree. And it's not a bad thing. They don't have a fight. He, they go back to her house. He, he packs up his typewriters and he moves out. <laughs> so the store is closing. It's very sad. Everybody's very sad. There is a suggestion to bomb Fox Books being made that does happen not bad so (laughs) after closing that day she walks over to fox books to look around and this stupid big dumb ugly store is just packed she makes her way to the children's section and she sits down and she's very upset she had to close her store she had like uh, she she's getting ready to like end this part of her life and she doesn't know what to do. And Joe happens to be there, which I think is really interesting because most people in his position wouldn't actually be in the store. But he notices her and so he's just kind of like watching her from afar. And... A customer comes up to to one of the people who works there and he's looking for the shoe books but the worker is just like some like 19 year old kid and he doesn't know what the shoe books are so Kathleen pipes up and she's like the books about the ballet shoes and the ice skates and blah 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 and she knows the author and she knows all about the books and one of them is out of print and it's really beautiful and Joe um, just feels like a big dumb idiot like he should um, so later, Joe and his girlfriend are on their way home from work. And girlfriend w- is talking about how she wants to hire Kathleen as an editor at her company. Uh, the girlfriend works as a, as a publisher. And <laughs> Joe is like, why would you want to hire her? And she's like, she's brilliant. She knows everything about books. She's worked in the business forever. She's she's a great, she'd be great. She's a wonderful person and I totally want to hire her and Joe is like oh my god and so they get on the elevator and then suddenly and they're on the elevator with them the doorman and some lady with a dog and the elevator gets stuck and she the girlfriend says you know you're just as awful as I am because he doesn't want her to hire Kathleen and this does not feel good to him and then being stuck on the elevator is not going well
1: yeah they're there like joe goes and he calls the thing and he's like do you know who i am get me off this elevator send the police send the fire department call 9-1-1 um meanwhile they do try to just jump the elevator back to life and when i say <laughs> don't, jump don't i mean it. actually jump
0: literally <laughs> never do that you guys especially in an old high rise in new york city you're gonna die <laughs>
1: It's bad. My notes are very confusing right here because my next thing that I said is, No, he left.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think they break up. Yeah, they break up. And I think you thought that she was going to leave because it's his apartment. Uh (laughs) But no.
1: No. So they totally
0: broke up and he's the one who leaves because she doesn't have a place of her own. I don't think. I think she's just been staying there with him. Yes. So
1: then we get an insight into rich people's lives where he's like, I'm just going to go live on the boat. And I now know that all rich men have boats for when they need to go out of the house and sleep somewhere else and don't want to check into a hotel room. Confirmed. Confirmed. So he moves to his boat. And then he gets an email from Kathleen, and she is telling him about how she had to close her shop. We then see her there, and the whole store is completely empty. I had this little bit. While she was closing her shop, Mm Um. I just, like, really, it stood out to me how all these older women were coming up to her and they were like, we're going to, we're so sad that your store is closing. We all miss your mom so much. And, like, Kathleen having to put up with their grief while she's the one, like, actually closing the store. Oh, my gosh. I didn't Drived even, me
0: crazy. I didn't even think about that. Because
1: it's like, yes, lady, like, lady in movie, I know you are sad, but you do not need to be telling Kathleen how you're sad that her mom's store is closing mm-hmm. like she doesn't need to take on everybody else's sadness she's like living how it. do
0: you though how are they supposed to convey so send like just card. send a card yeah
1: not while she's running around the store trying to fix everything make sure everything's getting taken care of I just think I would do that I would
0: be like I'm so sorry this is happening like this was my favorite place and I'm really sorry like this feels terrible and I know it feels terrible
1: I don't know for me I'd be like I wouldn't be able to absorb that Huh. while I'm doing and all also these other things. I would appreciate
0: it as like because I would be like if people were at my store taking things and buying things and not saying anything about how hard it is and how hurtful it is and then they all left I'd be like oh that must have been fun for them none of them even like care and or even said anything to me so I don't know Two kinds like of people, different I personalities guess. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> like don't tell me how sad my life is I know
0: I like, would, just thank and you I would for want, being here. Like, I would want to hear it. I'd want to be like, thank you so much for your words. I appreciate it. Nah, send me a card.
1: Now you guys know if we ever close our shop, that's how you should interact with us. Okay. Say it
0: to my face.
1: Send me a card. Um... So she's cleaning up. She she turns off all the lights and she goes to the door and she looks back into the room. And all she sees is her as a little girl mm-hmm. and her mom in the shop just like dancing around as this cute little ghost. <laughs> it is so sad. Ghost moment. <laughs> and then she closes the door and she puts down the grates and she walks away from her little shop. Next thing we know... Joe's dad is also moving to his boat because he also got kicked out <laughs> of the house. Cool time, and they park their boats next to each other. Oh One of theirs gosh. is much bigger than the other ones. Oh yeah, Jillian's like, I'm running away with the nanny. <laughs> I'll see you later. Which really earlier good. in the movie, she's like, I'm freezing my eggs, and I'm like, I could tell from that second, <laughs> she was she was meant for more than what she was living. Yes, she was. <laughs> Amen. And here comes the part of the movie where Joe realizes he needs to woo the fuck out of Kathleen if he wants an actual shot with her.
0: Yeah. Do you think... Okay, so it's... I know this is taking forever, and I know we need to... But I really love this, and I want to have these conversations. Um, Do you think that Joe... Because I know how you feel about him. um, And I feel like he's 100% sincere in all of this. I think that he has seen his mistakes, and he decided irrevocably to change and there was a shift in his brain um to become a better person sincerely and to be with Kathleen sincerely because she's so good I mean do you really do you think at this point that he's just doing this to win her or or out of sincerity because he really loves her and is changing and is becoming a better person I think both. The thing for me is there is still a lie being told. Okay. Yeah.
1: And if I found out that someone did all of this and (laughs) was like at the end, if I, because she's like, I wanted it to be you, but I would, I would be like, I really wish it wasn't you. Mm. That was too much that you put me through and lied about up until this point. Yeah. Like...
0: I wonder if Kathleen, because she's kind of an older soul from a different, totally, even an older generation than me, Mm -hmm. because she's probably, I would say that this character is late 30s, youngest. And so, um, and she's a romantic, and she's a reader, and she loves Pride and Prejudice. And it's like, for her, this is, uh, it is very romantic, that he goes through all of that to show her that he's changed and to show her that he's grown. So,
1: okay, yeah. Um, so the first thing he does is he goes and he takes her flowers because she is sick and he has found out from George, who was a new employee at Fox <laughs> Books, that Kathleen is sick. So he gets her information from George, he goes to her apartment, he buzzes her, and she's like, don't come up here, I'm disgusting. And he just sneaks in the door behind someone to her building and he goes up and he knocks on her door and she then has to throw away a million tissues that ew. she left over her entire apartment. Ew, ew, ew. Um Even after she has been like, please leave. I don't want to see you. He comes up anyway. And she's like, "Um, are you going to offer me a job now that you're here? (laughs) And she's like, you know, I got offered another position. And he's like, oh, yeah, me and Jillian broke up, though. And she's like, oh, cool. Um, He makes her tea while she's telling him all about his breakup. (laughs)
0: Yeah, she's like, This other person I know just broke up in an yeah. elevator. Uh huh. Because he told her
1: about the breakup, but not really. And so she, he, yeah, she just says his breakup back to him. And then we get the great Kathleen speech about things being personal.
0: Yes, I love it.
1: And I didn't write the whole thing down, but I should have. But the big takeaway is that even if things aren't personal to you, The person that you're doing bad things to, it's personal for them. Mm -hmm. So even if you can distance yourself from a situation or you can play it off as, oh, that was just business, it still feels personal to the
0: other person because it's their life. Yeah, I love it. I love that she is brave enough to say this to him in his face, in her apartment. Mm -hmm. Oh,
1: geez, that's awesome. Yeah. um, She's like, it doesn't matter because it was personal to me. And so... Then he asks her why she isn't with this guy that she's been talking to and telling him about. And um, she tells him that she only knows him online. They haven't met each other. She doesn't know who he is. And then he suggests that they should meet up. And while they're talking, he he drops her a couple of subtle hints oh, yeah. that it's him,
0: and you can see her like realize it, but she won't actually let herself realize it. She really won't, and I think at this moment she does because she really takes a moment, and she probably thinks back to the night at the coffee shop where she's like, "How did Joe Fox end up at that coffee shop if it wasn't him?" Yeah, yeah so maybe she does know the whole time and she's just letting him do this that's the that's the thing I would
1: maybe I be got, okay with <laughs> is if she took this interaction as he just told me but neither of us really are in the right place to acknowledge it yet and I if she was clued in from here yeah that might make me feel a little I bit better with is. her accepting it later because there's thought, like a <laughs> really long shot on her face of her just like Yes. Kind of processing while he's saying these things. I've to her. seen this
0: movie like twenty times, and this is the first time that I've thought to myself, she knows the whole time that it's That him. would make it different for me.
1: I would still not like him, but if she was clued in <laughs> yeah. and she was putting him through these tests, like is he still gonna try after this? Is he still gonna Oh my gosh.
0: That might that might be a better movie. I'm just framing it that way from <laughs> now on. I'm gonna tell my kids that's what it is. Well, cause
1: he leaves her apartment and then she immediately gets online and she's like we should try meeting up again
0: yeah mm-hmm. and why would she do that otherwise right oh my gosh that's cute <laughs> so then the
1: the saga of them accidentally running into each other continues but now they're actually <laughs> hanging hanging out, out and enjoying yeah. it and talking and getting to know each other in person so they accidentally meet for coffee this one time And this whole time, Joe is like trying to figure out who her online guy is. And he's like, maybe he doesn't want to meet you because he's married. And so she messages later and is like, are you married? And he's like, how could you dare ask me if I'm married? Mm -hmm. And then he's like, well, maybe this guy doesn't want to meet
0: you because he's really fat.
1: And she's like, I don't care about that. But then that's a whole
0: moment. He's like too fat to get out of his apartment. No, of course I don't care about that. Yeah. Yeah
1: and then he's like well what's his username and she's like it's ny152 and then they make 152 jokes about his username
0: <laughs> good point point.
1: and then kathleen just randomly says i could never be with someone who has a boat and i'm like <laughs> period queen i love it so in person he while they're hanging out this one time he's like do you want to meet me for lunch on sunday at two o'clock over at the park over there and she's like yeah okay And then he goes home and he messaged her and he's like, do you want to meet me at the same park at four (laughs) o'clock on
0: Sunday? I think she knows. I'm becoming more and more convinced. I'm going to cry about it.
1: (laughs) I don't know if this is in person or online, but I and you probably can tell me. But I just wrote, um, he confesses to her that they had that had they met another way, he would have asked her out. He would have gotten her number and they would have had a great time together. And they would have he kind of just paints this picture of. Had I met you in person, here's what our life and our relationship would look like and how it would have progressed. This is in real life. This is in person. It's after
0: they've had their Sunday lunch and they've just been hanging out on a bench. And she says, well, you know, he's the one who got me interested in writing again, which is what she's been doing now. And she's she's writing. And he and she's like, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And I would I would just be like really sad and stuff. And then he walks her back home because she has to get ready for her date. And he's like, you know, if if I hadn't been Joe Fox and you hadn't been shop around the corner, it could have been beautiful. We would have just met and we would have fallen in love <laughs> for as long as we both shall live. And it's really sweet. She's like, yeah. Yeah, actually, you're right. But do you
1: think that's true? Do you think had he not gone through this, if... Because, I mean, he was already kind of that person actually I deep do- down because that's how... He was talking to her online. I do
0: think that's true. I think that he if he would have met her that day in the bookshop without knowing that um, she was without if the bookstore had out. been like the city over mm-hmm. or something. I do. Yeah. I truly do. Because I think they had immediate chemistry and she's gorgeous and he's cute and he's he is a nice guy. You know, he's just a shrewd businessman and it's not cool. Yeah. He says this and he goes.
1: Why can you forgive him for standing you up, but you can't forgive me for putting you out of business? <laughs> Those ain't
0: the same thing, Joe. Yikes! Even Wait, here at the yikes. end of the of,
1: end of the movie, <laughs> he's supposed to be redeemed. He's still like, "Well, you forgave him for standing you up. Why can't you just get over me putting your little shop out of business?" I'm like, "I know, because it's, um, it's personal to her. It is,
0: and obviously she's like." It's not okay, but she's doing so well because her business went out of business. Luckily, yeah. But it 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 did give her it opened doors for her to become a writer and to do the things that she actually wanted to do because she was struggling so much at the beginning of the movie, feeling like her life wasn't going anywhere and she wasn't doing her life's purpose. And now she is. So I think he wouldn't have joked about that before, but now that he knows she's totally like thriving. It's going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right. So we're at the end of the movie here, and it's time for the double date day. And so she goes to the garden. It's like this big botanical garden in the park. And out of nowhere, we just see Brinkley come running over, and then Joe's running behind him. Brinkley come back here. But now she knows that it was him the whole time. There's this moment where she... She like he walks over to her and she realizes that it was him and she just starts crying and he's like don't cry shop girl which is her username and then she cries even more and she tells him that she wanted it to be him and they kiss and it fades up to the
0: sky. That's our movie. it's really beautiful and I'm just going to convince myself forever and ever the rest of my life that she knew the whole time and then when she did see him and it really was him it was overwhelmingly happy for her it was not a bad experience and she was so happy that it was him well it actually was yeah
1: and it was finally him showing up as himself as him. and ask him online. Oh like, my
0: God. He agreed
1: to become, to like take two of these personalities and finally
0: just it's decide really to show up for her. And he did it. And that's why I'm like, it's so romantic. It's so romantic. And to her, nothing could ever be more romantic than that. And he has promised. I mean, he literally proposed to her in the scene before that. And I can't, I just like, can't, you guys. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see my favorite most meaningful part of this movie is definitely that moment in the park where they finally meet at last and i like like has happened several times on this podcast i just had a whole epiphany about this movie that i'd never thought about before where like it is she did know the whole time maybe and like she's just so relieved that it actually was him like she thought And so it's always meant so much to me that he was willing to go through all of that and to prove to her over a long time, the whole entire spring, that he was going to make it better and he was going to fix it. And then they get to be together. And that has always meant so much to me. And I just now it means even more knowing what I am just sure of now.
1: Yeah, I still feel conflicted. I would like to watch it again, I think, and just Mm -hmm. be able to actually watch it and not have to
0: summarize at the
1: same time. (laughs) I'm kind of just still in the same spot. I might be leaning a little bit more into if I rewatch it, knowing that she knows. Yeah. And she has a little bit of the power and it's not so unbalanced until the very end. Yeah. That might help, but um, my takeaway is that there were 16 dogs in this movie. I'd <laughs> like everyone
0: to know we kept a dog counter up the whole time we watched. I appreciate the dog counter, and I would just like to put it out there that I think um Nora could have done a little bit better um by hiring about three times as many dogs for the movie because I think in New York you'd get three times you wouldn't get just 16 it'd be three times as many
1: they could have met at the dog park at the end could have could have just frankly would have loved that. really
0: put the cherry on top (laughs) (laughs) I am so happy that we were able to do this movie um thank you I also don't blame you at all for having all of those feelings you have. I think if I was your age and it was the first time I'd ever seen it, I'd be like, I hate this asshole. Yeah. I would. I, I'm i not going to argue with that.
1: I mean, I have things that are like that for me, like with Buffy. Mm-hmm. If someone was like, why do you like this? Xander is a terrible human.
0: I'd be oh, like... Oh, no, I totally agree with that. Fair. Every time yeah. somebody <laughs> says that, every time somebody just watches Buffy and they're like, what about Xander? And I'm like, yeah, no, you're totally right about yeah, Xander. But I still... still love it. Love it, despite. <laughs> so, All right. Well, yeah. this has been awesome i'm really grateful for it it makes me really happy and i think that's all i have about this movie thank you for listening
1: yeah we might be back in your public feeds sometime in the future but Eh, who knows come say hi to us on patreon
0: (laughs) otherwise yes thank you for listening love you guys Bye. bye
1: You've been Remembering This with Marin and Emily. If you'd like to be part of our community and have a say about our monthly rememberings, please consider joining us on Patreon, where you can vote on our monthly episode subject, get behind-the-scenes looks at what we're doing, join us for our monthly
0: Zoom hangs, merch discounts, and more. We hope you enjoyed remembering this with us. Please give us a five-star review, and we'll see you next month.